Welcome to the How to Find Joy podcast. If you are currently feeling unhappy, overwhelmed, stuck in a rut, or simply need a boost of hope, you've come to the right place. I'm your host, June Supunpuk, also known as Joy Guy June, and I'm here to give you honest conversations on how to find joy through this messy thing called life. My intention is to share practical tips on how to get back on the path towards joy, show you examples of what that could look like for you, and help you feel more inspired and connected to your own definition of success, power, and true happiness. If you're ready to learn what's possible, the How to Find Joy podcast is here for you. So let's get this pot started. Woohoo! Today's episode is for you if you have ever felt like life is totally and absolutely and utterly unfair, or you have felt like the universe is playing some sick, cruel joke on you because these random or unfortunate events keep happening to you that make you go, why? Why me? Por qué? Well, <laughs> if you resonate with that, I promise that this episode is full of real life drama, plot twists, tragedy, a comeback, and thank goodness, also action-packed advice so you know how to get off your bum so you don't feel so glum. And just a word of warning, uh, we will be talking about the events of September 11th. So if you have any trauma around that day, um, you might want to skip this one. So if you are ready to go, here is my conversation with my guest, Jennifer Cassetta. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the How to Find Joy podcast. I am your host, June Supunpuck, and I'm here with Jennifer Cassetta. Jen is a TEDx and keynote speaker, health and empowerment coach, and author of the amazing, incredible book that I have in my hand, <laughs> The Art of Badassery, Unleash Your Mojo with the Wisdom of the Dojo. And she's equipped with her third degree black belt in Hapkaido. Am I saying that right, Jen? Hapkido. Close enough. Hapkido. Okay. Hapkido, a master's degree in nutrition and various well-being certifications. She spent the last two decades coaching people to feel strong, safe, and powerful from the streets to the boardroom and with clients that include uh, small brand names like Apple, <laughs> American Airlines, Nike, and Uber. Jen has rocked hundreds of stages across the country with her knockout combination of engaging content and contagious enthusiasm. Her skills have been featured on the Today Show, Rachel Ray, The Doctors, as well as countless publications. And I am honored to say now includes this podcast. <laughs> And today's episode is called How to Find Joy When Life Feels Unfair. Welcome, Jen. Oh, thank you so much for that beautiful intro. And hi, everyone. I'm so excited to have you here. And I um, love your book. And I guess like, you know, when I was reading it, there are so many things that you offer in the book, not only empowerment for the self in like a mental capacity and obviously a physical capacity because you use your experience in martial arts in the book, which we'll talk about, but you have, you kind of hit every corner of mental, spiritual, physical health, wellness benefits. Like it's all in this book. That's insane. How did you even manage to do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, it's funny because a lot of books out there either dive really deep into one topic um, or more of what I did. And I, I did more of I'm going to try and cram as many things in this book as possible because I believe in holistic health and well-being so much so. Martial arts is all about holistic mind, body, spirit. Um, so it's my background. I feel like it's in my DNA and it needed to be covered, in, at least in this first book. Perhaps down the road, I'll go deeper into some topics, but I really wanted to hit a lot of a lot of the points. I think it was amazing because this book is perfect for our audience. I, I find that the How to Find Joy podcast is for starters and just like an introduction so that we can actually begin getting back on that path. And, you know, this topic is a pretty good one. I've gotten a lot of enthusiasm just hearing the title from numerous people because genuinely when you're going through a hard time and you're trying to seek joy, oftentimes you think, why me? when you're going through a challenging thing or this is so freaking unfair. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I've been there. So if you're there, I get it. And yeah. So, I mean, at the start of chapter one, I'll just say like was this lesson, this aha moment that I got one day from my mother who told me life isn't fair, Jen. When I went crying to her about this breakup and my ex-boyfriend, he was my boyfriend at the time. Um, mm-hmm. I found out that he had a baby with, someone and like forgot to tell me. <laughs> and, um, the story's crazy, but I just remember thinking, why this is so unfair. Why is this happening to me? I don't deserve this. And it's like, sure, I get that. And look around, Jen, there are plenty of people in the world that don't, that it's, you know, are in unfair situations to no fault of their own. Exactly. And, you know, I do have to admit, Jen, that when I read that in the book and you said, the words, my ex-boyfriend had a baby with someone else and they were your boyfriend at the time. I was just like, what in the telenovela is this? And how in the world, what? Because I, I know you as you, who you are now, right? So I'm this empowered, strong, amazing, incredible woman who has her head on her shoulders and wouldn't let anyone F with her. You know, and to think that this was your past and how you went through that was such a plot twist mm. of plot twists. So <laughs> I'm curious to know, like, obviously you are who you are today, which is why you're here telling us advice. But in right. the past, like, who, who were you? What kind of person were you so that our audience can be like, okay, <laughs> I may have hope because yeah. I, I may have been in her shoes. Well, I would say in my early 20s, which is when I, you know, met this person, and I'm not going to say who he is, obviously, but... Um, I was a seeker. I've, I've been a seeker and, um, he was kind of a guru type person okay. and I got, I got hooked mm. pretty, you know, and it did, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, but it's like, oh, this person is like kind of my teacher and the guru and everyone looks up to him for advice and wisdom and teachings and this and that. Wow. And over time, over time, over time, this person is paying attention to me. And I glommed onto it. I loved it. I, I felt special, um, which is something that it took me a lot of years in therapy, yeah. <laughs> self-development workshops to figure out um, that that was the feeling that felt really good wow. and almost addictive. So No, this is important, Jen. This is important because I know that when I first started my 
exploration into spirituality, self-help, like really doing it, you know, and coming, wanting a way out of my old career and trying to see like what interests me. I legitimately started looking into gurus and, you know, amazing people who are thought leaders and well-respected. And then I started going deeper down the rabbit hole and discovered that, oh, wait, there is a dark underbelly as well in these cultures. <laughs> it's not just sure in the is. entertainment industry. What? <laughs> and, right. and so I think it's important for people to hear your story and that someone who is so level-headed would get sucked into a situation like this because this yeah. is a lot. It's weird, right? Like, where were you uh -huh. at that time? Why were you so hungry to seek help at that time or seek a, a mentor? Yeah. Um, well, I had uh, just survived September 11th, um, which is also in the book. Yeah. And by the way, I just want to let everyone know, like, I don't go into a lot of detail about that relationship in the book. I just kind of, like, hint yeah. at it. So... Whatever we say here is between yeah. you and I, okay? <laughs> Us and all the hundreds of people that hopefully will be listening to this, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Who knows? Um, but I do, I have shared the September 11th story over and over again. But essentially, um, I had started martial arts in my early 20s. And in that first year of training, I um, had an experience with tens of thousands of other people in New York at the time and other places in the around the country and around the world. Um, and I showed up to work. I was three blocks south of the World Trade Center. Um, I stepped into a building to make a phone call, luckily, because within seconds, the first tower fell and all these people came rushing into the lobby. I got thrown into a closet. I felt paralyzation from fear for the first time. Um, I have a picture of what it actually looked like in those moments from somehow. It came to me years and years later and it it was like this bloom cloud of smoke. Like, it's insane to see. Um, so I just feel really, obviously, lucky to be here. But anyway, to make a long story short, that day I finally made it to my martial arts studio along with this guardian angel. Her name is Nancy. And she saw me in that paralyzation period, grabbed me, said, we're going to get out of here together. And I was like, okay. And sure enough, we were evacuated and ran from building to building. And finally, I was like, Nancy, let's go to the dojo. So when we got there, it felt like this safe place, like a refuge, right, as a metaphor. And that became this kind of metaphor for my life weeks, months, even years after that event. All I wanted to do was go to that dojo where I felt safe. Um, so I was working out PTSD. I was finding a, a career path because, again, my job was at the time, was working for an event space. I was going to do event marketing. And then that building is gone because of the t that day. Um, it didn't come down that day, but it came down later on because of it. And I was out of a job. So essentially, I was like recreating myself literally from the ground up, making an ultimate comeback, which is in chapter two of how we can overcome. We, right? we have choices on how we react to these big events in our lives, traumatic events. Um, and I was just kind of building myself up and that's where I was at, you know, in the aftermath of all that young searching, seeking, trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. And here's the man. Well, yeah. I mean, everything literally destructed around you. Yeah. 
Like there was, yeah. I, I smiled when you were like, I was in a, I was planning on becoming an event planner. And I smiled because I was like, oh, here we go. This is another story where we plan on doing one thing and then divine mm-hmm. intervention or whatever other plans come in to shock us awake and be like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, that was a cute thought, wasn't it? Completely, completely shifted my whole career path. And I didn't even know it, you know, I didn't understand it at the time. It's only when you look back and you're like, oh, and you connect the dots. Like that happened, then that, then I chose this, and then I went to here. And, and it, then it makes sense in this whole story arc. And I only really realized that when I started public speaking and like kind of looking for what is my story? What am I sharing here? And I, and I got it. Did the why me happen during September 11th or is it post-September 11th? When did that happen? No, actually, the I didn't. For the for September 11th specifically, I actually wound up with a <laughs> a severe bout of survivor's guilt, meaning like you look around, left and right there are posters of people mis- missing their loved ones. So many people perished on that day. So many people suffered. I did not. You know, like I was lucky, and therefore for many years I didn't even share about it. I remember the day, like the morning would come the anniversary would come I would lay in bed you know body keeps the score and I would just like feel really depressed that morning but then you know nine o'clock comes and I was just like up and okay let's begin the day and like I really did not talk about it much at all so there I felt like I actually I actually was lucky right so I didn't have life is unfair but it wasn't until the boyfriend with the secret baby, um, that felt a little unfair. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm not think that, that <laughs> I think we're allowed to call it unfair <laughs> because, because yeah. that is just, just you know, it's under the roster of boyfriend qualities. You don't usually expect <laughs> different baby with a different mm-hmm. woman to show up, right. you know, in that roster yeah. of qualities. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about you, but exactly. <laughs> so, I wasn't expecting yeah, it, put and, it that way. But when you found out, I guess, what was the immediate reaction to that unexpected oh, life event? Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, for me, desks would have been thrown, Jen. Desks would have been thrown. <laughs> do you, yeah. do you oh, really yeah. want to know? Um, it got ugly. It got ugly. And actually, I do share this little bit in the book, which is I was in this office. I found a letter from the other woman. And when I read those words, like, we're having a baby, I like you know, again, now looking back, I'm like, oh, that's a trauma response. I like almost like dissociated Mm. from my body was like, what is going on? Ran out of there and ran about two long blocks, like avenues in New York to a Staples store with this letter. And I started photocopying (laughs) (laughs) because in my mind, right in my crazy mind at the time, I'm going, no one is going to believe me. No one is going to believe yeah, this, this is story. Evidence. I need proof. Mm-hmm. I need proof. Yeah. And, you know, and then it was like, and who am I going to yeah. send these letters to? And where am I going to place it? And like, What newspaper <laughs> tabloid will up. take this? <laughs> the people must know. <laughs> I, I, I kind of like your strategy. I don't know. <laughs> the, more, the more vengeful well, part of me is like, yeah, get it, Jen, yeah. go. Totally. There's a Sex in the City episode where Samantha kind of does that. Her, she finds out she was betrayed by her a boyfriend and she like plasters, you know, these notes all over the city. Like, 
I can't remember exactly what the, the poster said, but maybe that was in my psyche at the time. Who knows? But then essentially it wound up being like weeks of insane mm -hmm. anger, insane sadness, and like just swinging the pendulum, going back and forth, really angry, being revengeful. Like I was not, you know, again, like my older, wiser self wouldn't have done some of the things sure, that I did of back course. then. But we were young. We make mistakes. <laughs> totally. I get it. But were you at the dojo yeah. at that time as well? Or yes. Yeah, so I was for 10 years, I was there, um, you know, learning, teaching, training, all I'm, of it. I would assume that you got mm -hmm. a really great anger workout after that <laughs> yes, situation. Like certain, for sure. But I do think, you know, in the feelings of unfairness, and then hearing your mom, you know, you mentioned yeah. it in the book and you mentioned it here that her little quote of, you know, life is unfair. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, if somebody is feeling so down or yeah. so angry yeah. and in their feelings and can't get out of it, mm -hmm. how, how does one even hear that mm -hmm. without being like, well, screw you. Right. No, I, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, it's not the most, um, <laughs> it's not the most comforting thing to hear. I had to process it yeah. for a bit, and then it was like this aha moment, didn't come right away. And in the chapter, I, I go through different exercises that folks can lean into or, or practice if they are in the moment of mm -hmm. the suck right mm -hmm. now, right? Um, embrace the suck, feel the feelings of anger, betrayal, sadness, depression. It's all okay, mm -hmm. right? We need to feel them to process them. And if we don't, we're going to bury ourselves with doom scrolling with alcohol with drugs i drank a lot of tequila during those couple weeks and months um you know and whatever self-destructive behavior we're gonna do so might as well feel them let it out i'm actually when i look back i'm actually happy i was so angry um and i let all that like i let it all out and i let him hear it i let other people hear it like, you let the okay. people in staples hear it <laughs> look at this I I would <laughs> there, you know, I, but I think that's, that's actually really healthy to hear because for me, I'm somebody who is, was always told to be very measured with my feelings. You know, it's very unladylike. Right. It's, you know, Thai culture is yes. just like, no, that's not what girls do. At least my 1950s Thai culture that my parents raised me with. And so feelings yeah. and big feelings were not necessarily uh, safe. Welcome. Yeah, not welcome, not safe. Mm -hmm. And so to hear you say, like, I went to Staples and I just did this <laughs> and I let everyone hear and I let that guy hear it. I'm like, oh, Jen, tell me more. <laughs> I want to know more because I do. And, and I, why I resonated with your book so much and I think I highlighted it so much mm -hmm. is because when you go through experiences of feeling the unfairness of life or the why me's, you know, for me, I mm -hmm. didn't have a dojo to be able to mm -hmm. create that safe, literal physical environment so that I can safely release mm -hmm. those feelings. So I spent years and continue to this day, <laughs> right. Uncovering like pretty packages that I put in compartmentalized inside of me. And yeah. Mm. I, I loved hearing you talk about the different belts and the ways that you mm -hmm. correlated what you learned in the physical space 
with your spiritual and emotional space. Because for someone like me who is taught, you don't get physical, you don't get loud, you don't do those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And not to say that I never did. I've been in relationships. I have gone to that dark place. Trust me. (laughs) I'm not proud of all my moments. But I loved that you had this beautiful sacred sanctuary to allow that Mm. part of you to flourish. Can you talk about, you know, the dojo and why it helped you process this, these feelings of unfairness and anger and... Yeah, sure. I mean, just being in your body in that much of a physical way. I mean, same, like most girls grow up, we don't, you know, I'm, I was doing ballet and gymnastics. I wasn't like hitting things and punching (laughs) things. And um, there's just this whole feeling that you get when you're practicing martial arts or learning self-defense or boxing or kickboxing. I mean, ask anyone, even people that dabble in it can tell you that like, there's just this, it feels so good to hit shit, you know, (laughs) to just, and if you think about it, I mean, again, I'm not a psychologist by any means or psychiatrist or any of that, but if you go back, boys were, were encouraged or or it was okay for boys to like yeah. smash things and wrestle each things other. And, and then like, exactly. And we were like, you know, playing with dolls, which yeah. is cool. Or training to be dolls. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm, that's a whole other episode. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, I think just getting physical in a really primal mm-hmm. way um, really helps you process trauma, drama, emotions, anxiety, all of it. It like helps you literally get it out yeah. of your body, um, and I and I truly believe that that's what helped me. And and then so and also there's this other part of martial arts, right? That I think a lot of folks don't see because you see the UFC fighting yeah. and the cage fighting and boxing matches, but the other side of martial arts is the meditation, the breathing forms, the mm. breathing techniques, the and then as you'll see in the book, you know I. I I start talking about that. The, the higher you go up in the ranks, at least for me in my school and my training, we went inward. We started to really um, talk more about philosophy and mm-hmm. chi. And then black belt is really all about leadership and being a mentor, a coach, a teacher who helps others up through the ranks as well. Surprise ending. I just gave, gave away the ending. <laughs> you also, if that were the criteria, give it away in the back of your cover. <laughs> oh, okay. We're good, Jen. We're good. <laughs> But it is, I, I completely, you know, respect it in a way that I've never thought to respect it. Because, you know, my my idea of it is movies, right? Bruce Lee or, you yeah. know, Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, and or Karate Kid, right? For those of you who are, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. totally. Uh, exactly, so exactly. Which mm-hmm. I just recently watched. It's incredible. Um, and it makes you feel oh, like yeah. such a badass. You're like, yeah, I could be a warrior too. But I guess, you know, with all of your lived experience, with now being such an empowerment coach, teaching around the world, sharing, like, embrace the suck, like, where, where do you see people hesitating to embrace the suck? And how do you personally help them go through that? Mm. Um, I would just say, kind of like what I mentioned before, instead of processing the feelings, instead of dealing with the suck... Um, we're, you know, it's, 
it's kind of easier to ignore it by scrolling on your phone, binge watching Netflix, um, shopping, boozing, all the things that numb us of our feelings. Um, there, and you don't have to go to a dojo to get your feelings out or process feelings at all, but you can go to a therapist, talk to a yeah. counselor, get a support group. Um, in the Yellow Belt chapter, I talk about like finding private Facebook groups of folks that are going through that same problem that you're having. Just talk it out. Um, I also just remember, had this funny visual, because you brought me back to yeah. that time in my life, which I don't usually go there so much, but... I wound up getting a referral to this therapist who um, I can't remember what the name of it was, but I just remember at one point she got me all riled up and then I started punching pillows and hitting like, um, I think she had like foam bats and I was like hitting Ah. stuff in her like Upper East Side, you know, office. That was so funny, but I get it, right? I mean, that's essentially what I was doing in the dojo without her. Uh, but anyone can seek that kind of therapy out, I'm sure. Yeah, if you have a pillow out there, it's a good place to start. <laughs> scream, scream in your yes. pillow. Yes. Oh, I actually love the car because mm-hmm. it it's, you know, your own little moving house. And then mm-hmm. as long as you're moving forward in traffic, there's nothing worse than you having like a scream fit. Like, And yeah. then there's a stop sign. <laughs> Uh (laughs) and someone comes right up next to you and you're like hey I'm not doing Uh anything weird I swear even though like (laughs) mascara is running down and you're crying but yeah I know there's different methods to release but you know if somebody's going through um this phase Mm -hmm. what are the general three pieces because you have so many pieces of advice in here Jen but if they could take away three major pieces of advice to get through this really unfair time and start finding their joy again or getting on that path What would you say? First, I would say is give yourself grace, Mm. right? Like know that you do not have to transform overnight into this miraculous, wonderful being who, (laughs) you know, is so strong and powerful. Like give yourself grace. It takes time and just say like, yeah, this sucks. And the number two is have some ways um, to get out of it. Mm. So try not to live in the suck for too long. Like allow... In the book, I actually like recommend like set a timer. If you are on a downward spiral, set a timer and say, okay, maybe for 10 minutes, I'm going to allow myself to feel this way. But once that timer goes off, make a list of like five things that you can do that you know will get you in a better state. And it doesn't have to mean happy, happy, joy, joy, but at least (laughs) it's better than the depression, anxiety, or whatever, you know, negative feeling is. So for me, it's like, and I'll share in the book the exercises, but for me, my personal list is like, pick up some weights. When I start to lift heavy weights, all of a sudden, I mean, literally, it works with your biochemistry to make you feel more strong and more confident. I'll go for a walk down to the ocean, and all of a sudden, I start to breathe more deeply. And again, that it's not just because I'm looking at the ocean. It's literally the deep breathing is helping me downregulate my nervous system, Um, and then, or my cats, you know, like just start playing with my cats and all of a sudden I start to feel more connected, more loving, more calm, more hopeful. And then in the book, there are a couple exercises. One, without going into too much detail is look at your, um, 
your greatest hits list. I actually have you make a list of all of the epic achievements that you've done in your life. So things that you have overcome, tests that you have aced, promotions that you've got, your dream job, the the partner that you didn't think you'd get, you know, didn't even think you'd get their number and you're with them, whatever those things are, you went on a solo trip, you know, travel, write them down and have a, have as long of a list as possible. And when you're in that downward spiral, take out that list, look at that list and not just read it, but feel the feelings that you felt when you accomplished all of those things on the list. And again, inside hormones are going to start doing weird things. And all of a sudden you're going to feel better. I'm, I did your list, by the way. I did your list. I, yeah. I, What's I did on it? it? Well, because it was funny because it was like, okay, I can think about my lifetime. Let's think about my lifetime. But you know, um, I've been going through so much change, <laughs> mm. to say the least, um, mm-hmm. in my life. And, you know, we had this natural disaster here uh, where I live. And so it was very just uh, difficult to channel the greatest hits because my brain has been so focused on the past two months, you know, right. and trying to figure that out. And actually that was helpful because I ended up seeing through a very, like, this feels unfair. This feels why me? Like, mm-hmm. are you serious right now? Again, like these are the thoughts that I was continuously having. And so right. it was great revisiting your book because I was like, right, 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 right. Greatest hits, greatest hits. What are my greatest hits right now? And so I came up with a list of like 10 things actually that I have overcome because Mm. of this experience. Mm. And it really helped me go from a very negative mind frame. Mm -hmm. And the people closest to me know that, you know, being a joy guide for me isn't avoiding the feelings. If anything, it's like diving deeper into them. And they're just like, shouldn't you be like joy guiding yourself out of this right now? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I am human and this is a human experience. And no, I cannot. I have to feel it. Also, Jen told me to embrace the suck and it's real sucking. (laughs) It's sucking real hard right now and it's not good. (laughs) But it was, it was really great to see the greatest hits was just like, oh shoot, right. I am very mm. strong physically because of this experience. I am resilient because of the mental challenge I had to go through to puzzle my way through frig- figuring out how to survive this situation or thrive in this situation. And so, you know, it's, it's obviously nothing as crazy as September 11th or anything like that. But, you know, there's everyone experiences pain so differently. So I want to just make sure, you know, you don't have to go through a greatest hits challenge to get greatest hits achievements. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. It's more, it really, the whole um, point of that exercise is to have you remember like an anchor, um, the feelings of accomplishment. And that way you can remember because our brains will go looking for evidence to back up whatever we're thinking about. Yeah. So if you're in this downward spiral of why me, poor me, life is unfair, life is going to keep showing you or your mind is going to keep showing you evidence that life is unfair because you're literally looking for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the opposite is true, right? And the opposite is kind of the intervention. How do we get ourselves out of that downward spiral? Just start going upward spiral. The other direction is looking for evidence of the opposite, looking for evidence that actually I am a badass. I'm a warrior. I've been through this before. I've, I've overcome challenges before. In fact, not only did I overcome challenges, but I 
aced the test. Yeah. I <laughs> got promotion, you know, like launched the podcast, like yeah. did all these amazing things as well. Absolutely. And that was, that was a powerful one for me. I know uh, you have so many exercises and I mm -hmm. think that they're really cool because on top of talking about physical exercising, you have a lot of mental exercises for us to do. Um, and that was one of my favorite ones as well. So what's the, what's the third thing that you think would help people? The third thing is really just to remember that it's not going to last forever, right? Mm -hmm. It's a season. It's a season of suck. And you're going, you know. It's I want a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> it is. It's just a season. And like, not so much here in Southern California, we don't really get four seasons. But if you're on the East Coast, right, it's four seasons. Um, and it's going to change. The sun's going to come out. It's going to get warmer. Summer's going to come. Like, it's not going to be winter forever. Yeah. And, you know, I think part of why I love your work is because you help to integrate the importance of physical movement and mm. you talk about movement so much. And, you know, one of the things about me is that I don't really love movement anymore. I used to be a person who's like, I'm going to dance. And in my <laughs> 20s, I did a lot of that. You know, growing up, I was on dance troops. But then there was a mm -hmm. stagnant period of adulting where movement just wasn't a part of my life. And I can hear some of the audience being like, yeah, but like, what if I don't have the mm. urge? Because if I'm yeah. so depressed or if I'm so stuck in the unfairness and the why me, I can't even feel like getting out of bed. Where, yeah. where can they take an, or even making a list, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what would you say to those people? Um, it's, a, it's a cycle, right? And it's like the more... The more you don't move, the more you don't want to move. The, that's, that's the tricky part. Yeah. So to break that cycle with mini bits of movement, even if it's literally just getting outside and walking around your block. I mean, I remember doing that during the pandemic when we're all stuck at home. I'd be like, okay, just get up. Just yeah. get outside. <laughs> walk. You know? And I would like walk around the block and come back and, and be like, okay. And it just resets Again, your nervous, it's all about your nervous system. So yeah. if you're constantly in fight or flight, you have to find ways to downregulate your nervous system. It could be foam rolling. It could be stretching. It could be oh. deep breathing. I mean, there's so many things that your body can do that don't involve going to the gym or a dojo or something excessive. Yes. No, I completely agree with that. And, and I think the deep breathing, you do have, you have some breathing exercises in here. I know that. Um, mm -hmm. and so that I think is something that once you, everyone reads the entirety of the book or watches <laughs> your Ted talk, um, I think it's going to be really good to kind of pick and choose because Jen gives you so many different options. It can mm -hmm. almost be overwhelming, but I think mm -hmm. the overwhelm might be because if you are in that suck stage, <laughs> mm -hmm. it just feels like, Oh, I can't even, yeah. um, yeah. but you're right. I think just starting is a really good place to and dabble. Like again, and you said, and the, there are so many options in the book. Dabble. See, just with the with the intention of I'm going to find one thing that feels good, yeah. right? One thing and do that thing. Well, when I was watching your TEDx talk, I got to say, the one thing I really enjoyed was um, the surprise. I think you created with the audience because you said "haya." Or like really loud, and you pointed to the audience. <laughs> Did you? Because the woman somebody? literally jumped out of her chair. 
I, I was like, I think someone woke up. Yeah, <laughs> Some, totally. Someone got a wake this. up call. <laughs> <laughs> And I think what was kind of awesome about that moment actually was that is sometimes what you need to like get up and get out. And when I was even watching you, I was like, wait a second, that would be a good technique. If I was feeling unfair, uh, that life was unfair or that everything was sucking, if I just even said those, like yelled that, like that would just get me out of my comfort zone just to even yell it. But the way that you did it and then pointed, it made me laugh so hard. And I was just like, that would make me giggle too. Yeah, yeah. I know. I started giggling because I really <laughs> frightened someone so bad. But yeah, you're referring to the kiop, which yes. in Korean um, translates to spirited yell. And so if you walk by a dojo, if you have seen Cobra Kai or Karate Kid, those noises that it almost sounds like they're grunting sometimes um, accentuate every punch, every kick, every movement. And, you know, I'm sure back in the day it was more like a battle cry, right? To scare off your opponent even, or intimidate. So you use it to intimidate or just to accentuate. Um, so the, the metaphor for that is really just about finding your powerful forms of communication. No, I love so- that chapter. I love that chapter. And, but I, oh. but I wonder if, you know, the simplest way to get out of my head and into my body might just be yelling Kiop. <laughs> Why not? Do Why it. not, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you did it, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I, I was almost happy I wasn't at your TEDx recording because it would just be <laughs> so intrusive. Yeah. But it, channel, channel your inner Miss Piggy. She does hi Yeah. Yes, exactly. So much. It's oh my so God. good. It's so good. So speaking of your TEDx talk, is that's one form that, of course, we'll put in the show notes of how people get to know your work more and your book yeah. more and everything and your philosophy. But how else can they find you if they want to connect with you? Um, my Instagram is Jen Cassetta. Two N's, two S's, two T's. I'm on that and LinkedIn with my full name Jennifer Cassetta and my website JenniferCassetta.com. Well, we're so grateful for you. Everybody go grab Jen's book. And any last words, Jen? No, I just want to say you are the perfect joy guide. Thank you so much, June. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And if you are in the suck right now, remember to give yourself some grace. And then figure out some kind of movement. Get into action. And eventually, I promise you, summer is around the corner. And key up your way out of here. As always, if you found the How to Find Joy podcast helpful or supportive, please be sure to leave a review. If you'd like more content, you can follow me at Joy Guide June on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you're ready to tap into your own magical gifts and start living your highest potential, you can also do one-on-one private coaching with me. Learn more about my Joy Guidance program at www.joyguidejune.com. See you next week.